the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Let him turn to the Lord, and he, meaning the Lord, will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. That's a great verse because it reminds us that God is merciful and God freely pardons. God is merciful and he freely pardons. That's why Isaiah says to us as sinners, forsake your ways, leave that and turn to the Lord because why? The Lord is merciful and he freely pardons. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Isaiah. If you're like most believers, you have moments where you feel ashamed. You know that you've given in to sin and neglected your relationship with God. You assume God doesn't want anything to do with you. The opposite is true. As Pastor Gary will remind us in today's message, Our God is incredibly merciful and compassionate. His heart is saddened when you try to hide. It takes him right back to that moment in the Garden of Eden. He's calling after you, longing for you to reveal yourself to him. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, as he continues his message, Seek the Lord. When Isaiah says here, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near, it's because we don't, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so, He's near now. Call upon Him now. Seek Him now while He is near, while He might be found close by. And the next thing that He says here in verse 7, if you look here in your Bibles, we're just going to look through this passage together. If you follow along with me, verse 7, the next thing He says here is following the idea of seeking Him. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on him and to our God, for He will freely pardon So he starts out by saying, seek the Lord, seek him, seek him while he might be found, call upon him while he is near. And he says, now listen, what we need to do in coming to him and seeking him is let the wicked forsake his ways, let the evil man his thoughts and turn to the Lord. So he he calls us to forsake, to turn from and to turn to the concept here that he's speaking of is what the Bible refers to as repentance. Repentance is the turning from sin and the turning to the Lord. That's what repentance is all about here. The turning from our sin and turning to the Lord. 
Now see, some people don't understand the concept of repentance. And some people make the mistake that they think Christianity is just kind of doing what you do and then just adding Jesus on top. That's, that's not Christianity, and that's not the concept of repentance. Repentance is, I turn from what I'm doing, and I turn to the Lord. I'm going in the wrong direction, so I go 180 degrees, and then I start to follow the Lord. But I turn away from what I'm doing. Don't, don't be deceived into thinking that Christianity is, you just get to do what you're doing, add Jesus on top. Like, you know, you get to still cheat on your spouse, or you get to still get drunk on Friday nights, or still sleep with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or drop the F-bomb every once in a while, or lie to your boss, but as long as I got Jesus, I'm good to go. No, that's not repentance. Let me illustrate it this way. Many years ago, uh, right after Terry and I got married, so even before we had kids, it seems like an eternity ago now that I think about it, but uh, but we, we had just barely been married, and there was this fundraiser for, I don't, I don't even remember. I, it might have been our church. It might have been a Christian school in the area. I don't remember what it was even for. It doesn't really matter. But they were having a cake auction. So, you know, you, you, everybody or a bunch of people break, uh, bake cakes, bring in the cakes, and then other people auction, you know, and buy the cake, and then all the proceeds go to, to the charitable organization. So Terry volunteered to bake a cake. And so I don't know what happened, but let's just say it was the oven. But the inside of that cake never got done. And, you know, and she was frustrated, and bless her heart, I mean, she's a great uh, uh, cook, a great baker, but, uh, but on this particular occasion, the inside of this cake just would not get done. And, and now, like, we're, we got to get to the auction. We gotta, we, we've already volunteered. We signed up. We're going to bring a cake. we got to bring the cake. So Terry's like, well, here's what I'm going to do. And so she starts to carve out all the, all the gooey part that didn't get done in the center of this cake, all of the gooey part. And, and then she's throwing it in the trash. She says, what are you going to do? And she starts to wad up paper towels. <laughs> and she starts to stuff it all on the inside of this cake. I said, what, what are you doing? And she's like, well, we got to go. We got we to get the cake. And, so, and then she proceeds to frost over all of it. <laughs> so it's this beautiful cake, and it's all frost. It's beautiful. I said, honey, we, we can't take this to the auction. Somebody's going to bid on it, buy it, take it home, and get a mouthful of paper towels. She says, no, 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 it's going to be okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take it to the auction, she says to me, and you're going to bid on it. <laughs> so wait, I, my contribution was buying the cake ingredients. And then we donate the cake. That's the way it's supposed to work. She says, no, no, no you're going to, you got to bid on it now. You got to bid on it because you're right. We can't have anybody. So the plan is you bid, you buy it, we break it, bring it home, and then we eat it ourselves. So, and I started having visions that I'm going to get into this, like, bidding war with an 80-year-old grandma. Like, I'll, be, I'll see you raise you 200 on that cake there, sonny. Like, what, what's this going to... Anyway, it all worked out. And I don't even remember what I paid for it, but we got it home. We rescued the cake. We had a good laugh about it. And nobody ever knew the difference. <laughs> but I came to realize that this is the way a lot of people think about Christianity. It's just, I'm just going to be all messed up, and it doesn't really matter. I'll just stay like this, but I'm just going to smooth Jesus all over me like icing. That's, that's their concept of the Christian life. That's not the right concept. That's messed up. That's not the right concept. 
The concept behind repentance is I give my messed up life to the Lord and I turn from it. I turn from my life. I stop doing what I'm doing. I, 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 I learn as I grow in my faith. I renounce those things. I turn and I turn to the Lord. That's repentance. And this is what Isaiah is calling the people of his day. And it's timeless truth, folks. Okay, the people of Isaiah's day, 2,700 years ago, they had their own sin issues. Okay, we have our own sin issues. But the same principle is still enforced. If you want relationship with God, you've got to turn from, from your wicked ways, from your sinful ways, and you have to turn to the Lord. This is why he says here, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the evil man his thoughts. Forsaking is renouncing and leaving. And then he adds, this is the rest of verse 7, and let him turn to the Lord, and he, meaning the Lord, will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. That's a great verse because it reminds us that God is merciful and God freely pardoned. God is merciful and he freely pardons. That's why Isaiah says to us as sinners, Forsake your ways, leave that, and turn to the Lord because why? The Lord is merciful and He freely pardons. Jeremiah would say in Jeremiah 30, verse 18, sorry, Isaiah, Isaiah says earlier in his own book, chapter 30, verse 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you and He rises to show you compassion. That's the heart of God. The Lord longs to be gracious to you and He rises to show you compassion. Now let me ask you, what motivates you to get up in the morning? Your alarm clock, right? I mean, I mean, how many people, how many people in life just, I can't, now that school started again, like how many of you teenagers just like, oh, I can't wait to get up. You know, I can't wait to get up. Um, I mean, maybe you love school, and if you do, we have counselors on staff. But anyway, I, I just never loved school. I never wanted to get up in the morning. Um, and, and even if you have a job now, you're like, yeah, I get up because, but I mean, do you love your job? I mean, after the first few months, do you still love your job enough? Like, that's what gets me up in the morning. I don't know what might get you up in the morning, but let me tell you, figuratively speaking, what gets God up in the morning? He rises to show you compassion. That's what gets God up in the morning. He can't wait to find someone to be gracious to. He longs to be gracious to you, Isaiah 30, verse 18, and he rises to show you compassion. That God, figuratively speaking, loves to get up in the morning and be able to find, who is it that I can show compassion to today? Who is it that I can show my mercy to, my forgiveness and my grace toward? Now, when you put all this together, see, when you hear what Isaiah is saying here in chapter 55 and then in what I just quoted in chapter 30, verse 18, and you realize that here God is, God, God loves to be merciful, God fully pardons, God longs to be gracious and God rises to show you compassion, then the only thing that stands between my sin and my forgiveness is my pride. That's the only thing. What stands between my sin and my forgiveness that I receive from the Lord is my pride. David would write in Psalm 10 verse 4, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. And Isaiah goes on to say here, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts 
than your thoughts. Now, these verses here, verses 8 and 9, are, are basically a statement of distance and difference between our thoughts and ways and the thoughts and ways of God. God says here clearly that my thoughts and my ways are not the thoughts and ways of man, meaning God's ways are different. And then he says, my thoughts and my ways are higher than man's thoughts and ways, meaning there's a distance. So there's a difference and a distance. And let me address the distance part first. When he says here that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, it's an indication to us of what we should already know, that in every way God's thoughts and God's ways are higher, superior, and greater than my thoughts and my ways. God is infinitely wiser, infinitely superior, uh, infinitely greater than I ever could hope to be. And thus, even David says in Psalm 61 verse 2, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So th there's, there needs to be this awareness that there's this great chasm of, of uh, distance between God and ourselves in terms of God being greater, superior, God being higher. Uh, we need to recognize that everything about God is higher than I. He, he knows what I do not and cannot know. He sees what I do not and cannot see. He understands what I do not and cannot fathom. That in every way, God is superior to my thoughts and my ways. And thus, I have to always realize that my picture of things is incomplete. And my understanding of things is narrow. And my perspective of things is limited. Now, I can tell you that this particular verse has brought much comfort to me over the years whenever I have faced something in life that I just don't understand. That it is good to be reminded God's ways are not my ways and His thoughts are not my thoughts. But even as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways and God's thoughts higher than my ways and my thoughts. There's a purpose in all things. And even though it might escape my understanding, it never escapes God's. Isaiah would write in chapter 40, verse 28, that the Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. In other words, the way that God operates, the way He thinks, and the things that He does, those things are not able to always be understood by us. We can't always understand the ways of God. His ways and His thoughts are higher than ours. His plans and His purposes are greater than ours. And I don't allow my lack of understanding God's ways and thoughts to dampen my relationship with Him. In fact, quite the opposite. My lack of understanding God's ways and God's thoughts enhances my relationship with Him because it is a regular reminder to me that He is God and I am not. I love to quote J.B. Phillips who once said, if God were small enough for me to figure out, He would not be big enough for me to worship. We serve a big God. He is higher than us. He is superior to us. He is greater than us. And so often we have to defer to Him and recognize that as our Father, He loves us, and all things are not necessarily understood by us this side of heaven. But it's okay, because God's ways and God's thoughts are higher than ours. And it's not only a statement of distance when He uses the term about 
heaven and earth, higher and, and lower. It's also a statement of difference. Man's thoughts and ways are different from God. Man's thoughts and ways are evil, impure, selfish, proud, sinful. But God's ways are righteous and holy, pure and loving and perfect and just. And so when he says here, as far as the heavens are above the earth, it's also an analogy to describe the infinite chasm that exists between our sinful thoughts and ways and God's righteous thoughts and ways. And knowing that we can't bridge that distance or that difference, God comes down to us. And this is the rest of what Isaiah says here, verses 10 and 11. In verse 10, he says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word, God says, that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In other words, even though there is this vast distance and difference between us and God, our thoughts, our ways, God's thoughts and God's ways, God comes down to us from heaven with His Word. Now, the Word, of course, is our Bibles, but it was personified, of course, in the person of Jesus because in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, you know, supremely the Word of God is reflected, of course, in the person of Jesus. But then, of course, we also have the written Word of God recorded for us that we might understand God's thoughts, intentions, and purposes, and plans for humanity. But in general, it's the Word of God that He always honors. And He compares the effects of His Word in our lives, in this verse here, to the effect of rain and snow upon the earth and how it naturally causes things to bud and blossom and bear fruit. God says, this is the natural effect of my word in your life if you choose to hear it and do what it says. Now, I, I know this is true for us as a church. When I was installed as the first pastor here at Cornerstone in 1991 by the vote of 18 charter members, the first sermon that I delivered at Simpson Middle School was from this passage right here at Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. The first sermon that I delivered. I, I was young and ignorant then, and now I'm old and ignorant. But one thing I knew then that I still believe today, that if we are to see any fruit, if we are to make any impact for the kingdom of God, if we are ever to see lives change, and God to be glorified in our midst, then we must be faithful to teach God's Word. Because as God's Word goes forth, it will not return void, but it will accomplish the purposes for which it is sent. And that's all we have done, and that's all we shall continue to do, and Everything else about ministry here flows from that foundation. I understood, I recognized then as I do now, that what God wants to do will happen because His Word is honored and we will be faithful to teach it. I had no vision for a large church. I had no ambition to pastor a large church. 
And by the way, bigger doesn't necessarily mean better either. But I just desire to be faithful with God's Word and God has done the rest. All I had to offer then is all I have to offer now. It's God's Word. It's the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. And when I look back on 27 years now, I can't count the thousands of people who have gotten saved and become followers and disciples of Jesus, or the number of relationships that have been restored, or the physical or emotional healing of people, or the the way that people have been materially provided for, or the way that the gospel now has gone around the world through our missions or through our media. All of that is recorded in heaven. God knows and God gets the glory for all that. The only thing I do know is that God's Word has gone forth and God has honored His Word and He has and is accomplishing His good purpose. And I share this example with you of what God has done here corporately at Cornerstone because what is true for us corporately is true for us individually. That when you get God's Word in your heart, and you honor God's Word in your life, and you do what it says, it'll be like snow and rain from heaven that will water your soul, and you will bud and blossom and bear fruit for the glory of God because that's the nature of God's Word. His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, Psalm 119, 105. God's Word is like a fire, that refines me like a hammer that breaks apart the hard places of my heart. Jeremiah 23, 29. God's Word is like a two-edged sword that fillets me and convicts me where I need to be convicted. Hebrews 4, verse 12. God's Word is like water that washes all the impurities out of my life and out of my heart. Ephesians 5, 26. And God's Word is like pure spiritual milk that nourishes me and causes me to grow, 1 Peter 2, 2. Because God's Word is His love letter from the God of the universe to all of humanity to express His love for us, His plan for us, that He desires to have relationship with us through His Son, Jesus Christ, if we would but seek Him while He is near and call upon Him, that we would turn from our wicked ways, that we would repent and that we would seek the Lord. He is merciful to us and He freely pardons. I'll end the story where I began. Mel Fisher, who discovered the treasures of the Atosha, could not enjoy his treasures for very long. It ended up in a legal battle that took years against the state of Florida that laid claim to all that he found until it eventually went to the U.S. Supreme Court. And in 1992, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed with Mel Fisher that he was entitled to all those treasures. But six years later, Mel Fisher died, and he couldn't take any of it with him. There is a treasure in the person of Jesus Christ that you can know forever and ever and ever. You can't take anything with you, but you can always have 
Jesus and spend eternity with him. Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor Gary Hamrick's verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah here on Cornerstone Connection. We're glad we're able to bring you these teachings straight from God's Word. But we're even more glad you chose to spend time with us today. We love hearing from our listeners. So please give us a call if you have a moment and tell us how you've been impacted by this ministry. Our phone number here is 703-771-1500. When you call, let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, our number is 703-771-1500. If you missed any part of this broadcast or would like to explore more of Pastor Gary's teachings as he's been working his way through the Bible, we invite you to visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. Our entire archive is available there along with companion study resources. Just look under the teachings tab. You can also download our mobile app to connect with Scripture whenever and wherever you happen to be. There's a link to that under the teaching tab. Or search for Cornerstone Chapel in your app store. If you're in the Leesburg area, you're invited to join us at Cornerstone Chapel for our weekly services. You'll find more information at cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for in today's study of Isaiah. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection.